Uh, go to Luke chapter 4, actually. Go to Luke chapter 4. And we are in this uh, Believer's Authority series. And I tell you what, that this, this whole topic, I believe it relates to like every area of our life. It really does. It relates to our marriage, to our relationship with our kids. And, and they are complex things, and this is just a piece of it. But I was talking with someone recently. Uh, they, were, they were going through a challenge on something. And as I was talking to them, I just, in my spirit, the Lord was just like, they need to take authority over this situation in the name of Jesus. They're a believer. This situation is within their family unit and in this situation, and they are able to take authority over in the name of Jesus. And I just did like a mini teaching with the person, and then we just prayed and declared in the name of Jesus for the situation to move and to change. And uh, so, I mean, I just, everywhere it comes up, I know that the Lord is really wanting us to understand this more. Uh, I talked to Brother Paul. I'm not rushing through this series, guys. So I know Christmas is coming, and we're going to do some things regarding Christmas as we get there, and we may have to pick the Believer's Authority back up in January. I'm not rushing the series to a close because some other agenda, because right now God hasn't given me any other agenda, but to keep on this for a little while until I really feel like we've got this as a church, we've got this as families, even the kids. I mean, just we understand this completely as a church. So the key scripture, you don't have to turn there, we have it on the screen, Mark 16, Verse 17, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And what we started last week is we started getting into the first one of that list of five that Jesus calls out in this sort of the great commission in the Gospel of Mark. It says, in my name, they will cast out out demons. And before we get to that, we'll just review the definitions real quick. Believer is anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. And I keep hammering home this definition because, one, we want to make sure you're a believer because this is the key to this whole thing, this, this key to everything, life and eternity, is understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So a believer having that unwavering belief and then authority if it's a believer's authority, what is it? It's this authority as a delegated power from heaven to us, the right to command and enforce obedience, like the umpire example I've been given. We can, this has to go in Jesus' name. You have to go in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and so this authority, this right to exercise, the ability to act or the right to exercise strength and enforce obedience. A couple weeks ago, we did the seven questions to ask. The seven questions to ask when you've said in the name of Jesus over a situation, and it seems like nothing happened. It seems like nothing moved in the physical realm. And so I have some of these cards. I'm not going through it uh, today, but I have some of these cards up here, I believe, in the front. If you weren't here last week, we handed them out. Uh, that it's really, it gives you these questions, you can stick it in your Bible, you can begin to ask, like, okay, I use the name of Jesus, I've got this believer's authority, I didn't see anything move in the physical realm, you begin to ask these questions and seek the Lord on these questions, and I believe it's a helpful tool for you to have. So, uh, my, my journey 
in overcoming sleep apnea. We have a new chapter this week. And I told you guys, right, like as the pastor, I don't just have exemptions from all issues and challenges in life. Now, if that was the case, man, that would be fantastic. Everyone would be wanting to be a pastor, but I can tell you it is not an easy thing to go do. And in fact, sometimes it feels like the enemy amps up the attacks over the past four years against our family than we did in the previous 19 years of our marriage. But I believe the enemy knows, right? The enemy is going to attack things and people that he believes is going to have some power to be able to move and change circumstances. I've noticed in my life a lot of times that the enemy does not come after complacent Christians all that much. And everyone's like thinking, oh my gosh, is the enemy... What's there to go after? You're, You're not a threat. Why waste resources? If you're in business and there's not a threat to your business, why would you spend money and resources and effort against something that's not threatening you? You don't do it. It'd be a waste of money. You'd be like, well, that's a silly investment. Well, the enemy is not stupid. He understands in the spiritual realm the things that are going on. And so when he comes after you, it's almost like hallelujah. Come on, church. You can do a little hallelujah dance when something's coming against you because guess what that means? He's nervous about you. He's afraid of you. And he's afraid of you because of, not because of you, but because of Jesus on the inside of you. And so my, the sleep apnea journey that we've been on, I've been telling you, I've been walking through these questions. Like each week, I'm just like, all right, does this line up with the word of God? Can I get good sleep? Does God promise me good sleep? And I found scriptures, and he does, and yes, yes, and yes. And then yesterday, as I was doing the Bible reading plan, it was uh, Psalm 127. And I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord. Unless the the Lord guards the city, the watchman waits in vain, yeah, praise the Lord. And all this thing, children are, are, are heritage of the Lord, yes, praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden, there's a little line in here, for he gives his beloved sleep and I was like I was fired up about taking captives and beating the enemy and God's going to build his kingdom and all this other stuff and the Lord was just like and here Jason just for you whoever wrote I don't know if David wrote Psalm 127 I'm not sure he did but whoever wrote Psalm 127 just put that in it's like out of nowhere it's out of nowhere it's just, you know, you, oh, here it is. In vain you rise up early and sit up late. And it's like going, yeah, yeah, I'm going all this. For he gives his beloved sleep. And so I know that this journey that I'm on, that, I, that I'm battling against this thing that's come against me, that it is based, the word of God is my backing. The word of God is a truth and the promise that I can stand on day in and day out because he, the Lord, says he will give me sweet sleep. And that sleep that is taken away from me, that's the devil stealing that sleep from me. It's the devil stealing that sleep. So then I begin to ask him, all right, Lord, I in the name of Jesus multiple times and nothing seemed to have happened. What's going on? And he began to show me, first and foremost, I said it last week, Brother Paul and I talked about, this is not my sleep apnea. Come on, church. This is not my, so the situation you're going through and the challenge of the situation, the health problem, it's not Yours. Don't claim that it's yours. Don't attach it to yourself. 
by your words. There's power in your words, life and death in your words. Don't attach yourself calling it my sleep. I had that in my notes. My sleep apnea. And the Lord was like, what did you write in your notes? And so I erased my, and I just said, this is a sleep apnea journey to God's healing and total freedom in my life on my sleep. And so what the Lord's revealing to me, he revealed to me that part of it was driven by acid reflux. And I was like, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing that to me. What do I have to do? Do I got to drop Splenda? I don't, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's going to talk to me and show me what the deal is going on. Because it didn't just go away when I said in the name of Jesus. So he's working on something. And what he's working on, he is working maybe to change my diet because he knows my diet needs to change now for health reasons later. But if he just fixed my problem just out of nowhere like a magic thing, he, I wouldn't have actually ever changed my diet, which is what he actually wants me to go do over the course of time. You see how God works. It's not a magic formula. We don't just in the name of Jesus something all the time. Now, when it comes to demons, though, the Bible says we have all power and authority over all the power of the enemy. And a demon is not how I'm eating, okay? It's not Splenda. The devil's not in Splenda, guys, okay? What happens is, is though we have power and authority, though, over these demons that happen and occur around us, in our homes, and in our families. So I want to talk a little bit about this. I think Pastor Andy will give a testimony next week regarding this. I want to talk about casting out demons. And I'm going to do this, I think, in two weeks. We talked a little bit about demons last week. I'm going to talk about it this week, and we'll probably wrap up the demon portion of it next week. Uh, Because I believe, I don't want to rush it. And because if you're not prepared... In the doing of it, it can be a little dangerous. This is, not a, this is not a light game we're playing around with here. So I want you guys to be prepared in understanding the teaching of it and what it looks like and what it means and how Jesus did it. That's what we're going to look at today in Luke 4. I'll get there. <clears throat> what Jesus did and how he did it. I'm talking about what this deliverance is. Before I get there, Ephesians 6. We have to remember this. First and foremost, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle that we have is not against each other. Our battle is not against our spouses, our coworkers, our bosses, our kids. Even though it feels that way sometimes, the battle is not against flesh and blood. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about the reality, the real world that we're actually living in what we're seeing is not the reality that's actually out there. The reality is the spiritual realm. It's the eternal portion of this, right? That is the actual reality of it. So what God is telling us and showing us, the battle that we face here, we must understand first and foremost, is against the enemy. And I was debating, I was like, man, I was telling, I was telling Liz, I was like, this is like Thanksgiving Sunday. Should I do like a Thanksgiving message? And she was just like, you think people are going to be thankful when they understand what demons are and how to get rid of them in their life? I was like, well, heck yeah, they're going to be really thankful for that. So I think I'm going to keep on the path of talking about this. I think it's important, this understanding of deliverance and deliverance ministry. So here's some facts about some evil spirits. They are Satan's foot soldiers. They want to harass people. 
They have minds, emotions, wills. They are bodiless spiritual personalities or entities. Since they don't have bodies, they cannot fulfill these appetites that they have unless they fasten themselves to something, someone. Their desires are not normal from a biblical standpoint. They're perverted. They're perverted. They're disgusting. They're unclean and they're foul. They influence people to act in abnormal ways. They're tormentors. Sometimes they even speak through a person. I've witnessed that myself. I talked a little bit about that last week. The basic activities of these evil spirits, these demons, coming against us, those who believe our lives, even those unbelievers, we can get, we'll get into that in the, coming, in the coming weeks. The basic activity of this evil spirit is to shame, to enslave, to bind, and to torment. That's what they're here for. That's what they want to do in your life, in your kid's life, in your family's life, in people's lives all over. That's what they, that's their assignment from Satan. That's what they got. So Luke chapter 4. Now that we know what they are and what they're trying to go do, let's look at how Jesus handled them. And I mean handled them. Luke 4, starting in verse 33. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So stop there for a moment. This evil spirit cried out with a loud spirit the moment Jesus entered the situation. The spirit recognized Jesus' meaning. There's another scripture uh, I'm not going over today, but it says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you, right? And so really this who are you, we have to be in the category of they need to know who we are. And I want to talk about that, what that looks like in our lives as Christians, as believers, this believer's authority. So this demon recognized Jesus immediately. Verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying... Be quiet and come out of him. Direct, direct, direct. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Here's what I noticed in here. Look, number one, Jesus didn't panic. Jesus didn't panic. He walked into the room. This thing's yelling and getting all upset, getting worked up. He didn't panic at all. He wasn't upset. He was firm. And if you look at his words, he didn't speak to the man. He didn't speak to the man, but he spoke to the demon. And here's another interesting thing, and I know we do this as Christians, because I want to build up our faith to be able to do this as a a body of believers. He didn't stop and call a bunch of people to come surround this person and pray. It was an observation. It's just an observation. Jesus knew he had the authority He didn't need to call in any help. He didn't need to get anybody from anywhere else to come help him. Jesus knew he had the authority. And what we've already learned in this series so far, we too, church, we too, church, you all, church, those who believe, have the authority to cast out demons. 
Guys, you don't need the pastor of the church to show up to cast the demon out for you. You actually have been given that authority. Do you understand that? We have to, and we have to believe it. You can't just, it's not like this mental ascent. Well, yeah, I get it. The Bible says it. You have to believe it. You have to understand. You have to believe it. I had a lot of feedback from last week's message. Even my mom messaged to me. I, she watched online. She's like, Jason, I went around. I was casting out the devil out of my house. I was, I was oiling over all the doors. He has no authority in my home anymore in Jesus' name. My mother has never talked like that. She's probably watching. Hey, mom. Right? She's never spoke like that before, but she understood. She, her faith was built up to say, you know what? Uh-uh. No more. Not in my house. Not on my watch, as they say, right? This is my, God has given me this home. And no evil thing may remain in it anymore in the name of Jesus. And she walked around with that confidence in that home. And I know for a fact that it worked. And it was effective. And that evil spirit had to obey. It came out of that man with a little bit of drama. I've experienced drama in these things. But it didn't hurt the man. And the situations that I've had and faced, and was about, I told you about the one with Pastor Jim uh, last week a little bit, there was no physical effects anymore on that person after the demon was gone. There was no physical, it was not harming them anymore. And in fact, you know, I, I feel Pastor Jim and Pastor Pam and, and the history of this church, we have never shied away from this. We haven't talked about it a whole lot recently or through the years. But churches, when they have this issue somewhere in their congregation, they have had a history of calling us. I've gotten a phone, I got a phone call maybe a year or two ago, and it was just like, hey, we don't know what to do, what do we do? And it was just like, well, here's what we do. And I was like, I'm not going. I told the other church, I'm not going. You have the authority to cast this demon out. You have the authority. There's noises going on in this house. The dog is barking at something in the corner incessantly every time they walk into that room. You're nervous when you're in the shower. You feel like something's there watching you. That's demon. There's demons in that house and they have to go. And I don't have to be the one to show up to do anything about it. You can as a believer. So that's what I'm doing for you guys. The same thing I did for a church down the street is we can do this. We know of a family member of a house or some a situation. We are, have the power and the authority in the name of Jesus to go there and cast the demons out. So verse 36, and they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. When we looked at before, that same power and authority that Jesus had when he was walking on this earth, is transferred now to us as believers. He transferred it to us. Now he's at the right hand of God. We don't need Jesus to come back from heaven to cast the demon out. He has given us that power to be able to do it. <clears throat> and the report about him went out <clears throat> to every place and in the surrounding region. And when I read that, I feel as though as we take our authority as believers, and we begin to change and move situations in people's lives, in people's homes. By doing this type of thing, I believe the word will get out about the Lord, about Jesus. But when there's someone who is demon-possessed, and you're able to cast that demon out, and their life is dramatically changed, all they want to do is know who Jesus is. 
You begin to pray the prayer of salvation. Get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Get them into a church. Get them. That's, God wants to, God tells us he's going to move with signs and wonders and miracles. And he's going to use us to be able to be a part of this. Mark chapter 9. Let's look at the second story here. And then I'll give you a little homework assignment until we get into this more next week. Mark 9, starting in 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. He was like this, so this spirit was identified as a mute. Uh, there's a deaf and dumb spirit. There's a lot of different things. We'll talk about the different ones next week and how they're linked. <clears throat> and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. You're like, wait a second. Pastor Jason, you just told me that we could. Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to understand why this happened this way. So what was happening is there was this, this torment. This person was tormented by it, but the disciples could not cast it out. Why not? He answered them, verse 19, and said, Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So I, you know, I love Jesus' words. Sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh. He's saying, guys, you didn't have the faith to cast this demon out. Do I have to do it again? And the answer in this case was yes. But they didn't have, his disciples didn't have the faith in order to cast, it's, they, he says that they've cast out demons before, but for whatever reason, the situation, the circumstance, the disciples' eyes were on the behavior of the person. Come on, this is where we get mixed up. This, we get our eyes fixed on the behaviors, on the situation, on the circumstance, on the, the, the medical report. We get our eyes so focused on this, off of him and who he is and his power and his authority and how he wants to work through us, we get ourselves distracted and we begin to we lose the faith that God will actually move when we say in the name of Jesus. That's one of those seven things we got to ask ourselves about. So this happened right here in Jesus' ministry with his disciples. So this, I believe, is the key. Do you believe, church? Do you believe that you have the authority to cast demons out of your lives, of your family's lives, of other people's lives that God has put you in. Do you believe it? Come on, church, do you believe it? If you don't have the faith to believe it, it's, it's not going to work. The disciples, they, they failed on that situation. And look, guys, we all, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fail. But look at this. Is, so here's what he did. Here's what Jesus did. So they brought him, they brought, verse 20, they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground, wallowing, foaming at the mouth. Again, the demon recognized Jesus right away. Verse 21. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? He said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The Lord has really been speaking to me about compassion. And I think one of the keys for us as a church to be able to walk in this authority and to be able to see demons flee is we have to have a heart of compassion for the person who is suffering. And the Lord, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, the Lord spoke to me pretty clearly 
that in my own life, I was looking at things, wanting them to happen so that I could be the one being participant in the situation to see something happen. Come on, church, I'm just being honest with you. Right, this, I was, I, was, I was prideful, I was being selfish, like I was wanting something to happen. If I could just lay my hands on them, see them healed, then they'll be like, yeah, Pastor Jason laid the, his hands on me and I was healed. Wait, what? Jesus healed you. Jesus is the one who is doing the moving and the working and the power, not Pastor Jason. And we have to all get through our heads, so we have to have a compassion like Jesus had on someone who was going through this situation that our heart breaks so much we can't not but go and pray for them and cast that demon out. We can't just walk around in pride going, hey, I want a newspaper article written about the guy who walks around Erie and casts demons out all the time and it gets all these people saved down here. It's not going to work. If that's your motivation, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. He's the one who needs to get the glory. <clears throat> not me. Not us. Not Erie Christian Fellowship Church. No, he gets the glory. We have to check our hearts before we go into this type of ministry, understand that we want him to get all the glory in it. And so Jesus goes on and says, he says, how long has this been happening? From childhood, it's thrown him in the fire. Have compassion on us, verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Man, what a powerful verse. And he's talking to this guy and his son, but he's also referencing, right, the disciples are there. <clears throat> the disciples, he's basically showing his disciples, if you believe, all things are possible. Immediately the father and child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I love that sentence. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah? How many of you have been there before, Right? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's like we are speaking the words that we believe, but we know truly in our heart we're not just there yet. We're not quite there yet. Like, Lord, I believe, but I don't believe totally yet. Help me. And the Lord talks about how do we, how do we grow our faith and get in the word and hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and be able to grow our faith so that when we do say that I believe, we can actually say it and then mean it and stay there. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Then Jesus saw that people were, came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, like the umpire throwing the guy out of the game, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Get out and don't come back. He commanded the spirit directly at it. Not at the, not at the boy, not at the man, not at the father, at the, at the evil spirit to come out. And then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and he came out, and he became as one dead. So the, the kid basically seeming like he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus calmly picks him up. Why? Because Jesus knew his authority. He knew what happened. He knew the demon had to leave. He knew the kid wasn't dead. And then he walked over, and he picked him up. Verse 28, and when he had come into his house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. <clears throat> if you look at the different translations, this, he's basically saying, 
you guys had some doubt and unbelief. You can see it in the, the same uh, uh, writing in Matthew about this exact same situation. Their faith needed to grow. They needed to spend time in prayer and fasting, growing their faith. Right? They didn't have the New Testament, so they weren't reading the New Testament. Okay? They had us, we get to read the word of God and grow our faith by hearing and hearing the word of God. Their faith needed to grow. So today is about growing your faith. Next week we'll get into the how to do that. Sid, if you want to come up. So here's, your, here's the challenge for this week for you guys. Number one, if you haven't gone home, anointed your house with oil, walked around it, there's not a lot of snow, you can walk around it three and a half times, claim what's going to happen in your home, then walk around three and a half more times, thanking Jesus for what he's done. You can go do all that. You can listen to the message from last week if you didn't hear it. <clears throat> but I highly encourage you, you don't have to march around seven times, and your house will not fall down when you do. Okay. <clears throat> That's, that's Jericho. That's another Bible story. Okay? Uh, but I would encourage you to do that. What's the harm in it? All you're doing is blessing and anointing your house, and you're saying what is here that shouldn't be here has to go. And I will tell you that when you do that, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, by his grace, will reveal things to you that are in your house that need to go. I told you the T-shirt story last week. And when I was mentoring that other church in this situation that they had, they're like, well, this dog is barking in the corner all the time. Or the cat won't go into the bathroom. I said, well, you know exactly where you need to go focus your efforts. And like, well, there was this thing that got passed down from generation to generation, somewhere from England. It's this face mask type thing, and it's kind of weird looking, but it was given to them, and they, you know, they have it in their house. There it is. Get rid of it. But it's this family heirloom. It might be worth money. Get out. Get rid of it. Burn it. Destroy it. And in fact, I believe what they said, I think Jana has a similar testimony. They tried burning it and it wouldn't burn. It was resisting being destroyed. And then they had to smash it with a sledgehammer in the smithereens, then burn it and put it in the garbage can and say, get out of this place in Jesus' name. And they never had a weird sound anymore. The dog was never barking in the corner. They could move freely through the bathroom in their house. This is real stuff, guys. This is real stuff. I'm thankful on Thanksgiving weekend that we have the believer's authority with us and a part of our lives that we can take authority in our homes and in our workplaces. God just reminded me of this story. Even unbelievers know. Even unbelievers know when there's something going on that shouldn't be. I had a guy recently, I'm bivocational, a lot of you know I'm currently working uh, at Bliley Technologies as their CFO. And randomly, totally randomly, a guy that I work with, he's, I don't believe he knows Jesus. He's like, Jason. He's like, Jason. Yet. Jason. I'm telling you, man, it's like there are demons in this place. Because every time we try to do something, something comes against it. He's like, will you pray for this place? I was like, heck yeah, I will. 
And I marched back there the next time with my oil. Man, I started praying over the praying over the building and the grounds and the property and all the stuff that you know we're trying to do and try to put our hands to and see the Lord bless it. This is real at your workplaces, in your homes, in your families. It's real. So how do we get ready for this battle? Here's some things I want you to write down for this week to focus on. I mean, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to go start casting out demons this week, I trust you, let the Holy Spirit lead you. But here's what I want you to do. Number one is know who you are in Christ. Meditate on that this week. There's a preparation of this ministry that you have to do to be ready for. Begin to know who you are in Christ. Read that mirror of God's word. Read the scriptures. Know who you are. Know what Jesus has done for you. The second one, be filled with the Spirit. I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't even imagine trying to do some of this stuff without being baptized by the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in tongues and being filled to overflowing, because I know I can't do it on my own. I know I don't have that ability to discern all that stuff. I need the Holy Spirit's help with me. The next one is know that you have authority over Satan. Every time I type it in, it wants to capitalize the S, and I always lowercase it. I'm like, no, no. And it gives me the red underline like it's written wrong. It's like it's not written wrong. It's lowercase s. Because we have the authority over lowercase s, Satan. The Bible tells us that. It shows us that we have that authority. So know it. Understand it. Read it. Listen to it. Build your faith up into it. How do you build your faith? By hearing and hearing the word of God. Read those scriptures over and over. Read the Luke 10 verse 17 over and over. And then the last one is, is know that you, well, not the last one, but know that you are in the position to command. God has placed you in his army. He has placed you on this earth for this time, for this season. He has given you that believer's authority. He expects us to use it. It's like this power tool you have in your bag, but you keep using the screwdriver, right? The old manual screwdriver. He's turning and turning and turning. You're exhausted. God's given you this power, this right to command. You pull out the big gun, right? You pull out the DeWalt, the, you know, the whatever volt it is. Boom! There's power that we have that God has given us. Know that you're in the position to command. And the last two, be persistent. Be persistent as you're seeking him, asking him, Say, Holy Spirit, show me, lead me, guide me. What is it that has to change? What is it that has to go? And then the last one, what I want you guys to do this week is begin to spend adequate time in preparation. Guys, we need to prepare our hearts. We do that by prayer, by fasting, and by being in his word. Just what Jesus said, right? These come out by prayer and fasting. And now that we have his word, we can read his word. Pastor Andy and I were talking yesterday, maybe it was, or two days ago. Like, well, you know, in January we do that fast. You don't have to wait to January to seek him 
and fast. If he is telling you to fast something in your life, to stop eating lunch and to seek him because there are demons that he is preparing you to cast out in people's lives, then by all means, start skipping lunch. Come on, guys. Who said it? Where in the Bible does it say we fast in January for 21 days only? Right? It's not, that's not there. Can't find it. Spend this adequate time in preparation. So bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I know that this is the word you have for this church and your churches around the globe in this time. Father, that as we even said earlier, that our discernment level will rise by your Holy Spirit, that we will see and discern when there is an evil spirit, a demonic force at work in our own life, in our families' lives, in the lives of others, and that you would show us and lead us in the steps that we need to take. Father, I thank you for this believer's authority that you paid the price for, that you showed the way of. There's a gift designed for us, Lord. We receive it, Lord. We're thankful for it on this Thanksgiving weekend. And Father, we're thankful that with that same authority that cast out demons, Lord, we have authority over issues in our life, that we have authority over sin, for your word says that sin shall not have dominion over us, that we have authority over sickness in our life because he who died to sin might have for righteousness that by his stripes we are healed. Father, that we have this authority over our thoughts. That we can cast down and see and discern every argument that sets itself up against you. Lord, that we have authority over fear and anxiety in our life because of who you are. For your word says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. And Lord, we just thank you that, Jesus, you have been given all authority, that it's found in your name, and that you've given it to us, and you expect us to use it, Lord. So Father, help us do that in your precious name. Amen? Amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to come up here. But I want to close with this, with the same declaration that I've been doing week in and week out. So just receive this. And with me, in agreement with me, Satan, lowercase s. Lowercase s, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, lowercase s, you and all your demonic forces may not come against my house, their house, this church's house, our families, our workplaces. You are abound away from me, from us, from our family. 
And we are all covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, you may not destroy us or our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you now, Satan, you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, we just give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. Father, we worship you. We thank you for this authority we have through you and because of you. So, Lord, those who are coming up for prayer today, Lord, that you would just, Father, as they seek you for their whatever issue it is in their life, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are. And, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, who has not made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, that they would rush up here today after service and pray with one of these teams because this is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working in our midst. We give you all the honor, praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You are dismissed. I love you all. We'll see you next week.